Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Keep playing. Keep working. Keep going. And keep moving with the exceptional orthopedic care at Baptist Health. With an experienced team and a full line of advanced services and procedures, it's no wonder most people choose Baptist to help them keep on keeping on. Visit baptisthealth.com ortho to find a Baptist Health provider. In just a couple of moments, fresh off of a World Cup, Savannah DeMello says that she wants to stay home. A contract extension for the racing Louisville superstar announced today. We'll give you the details about that in this show and coming up in about say 30 minutes or 40 minutes or so the last segment of the show we're going to play a little over under with some of the big numbers of the racing louisville louisville city seasons we're getting down to the nitty gritty right now it is the final stretch for both teams louisville city has only four home games left racing louisville with just a handful of games left in their season to try and push into the playoffs so we'll take a look at some of the numbers with some over under later in the program i'm jeff milby Benton Newman is across from me and Zach Cantrell. What's your nickname, Zach? Is it is it Big ZC? Is it Money? What is it? What what do you go all, by? All of the above. All of the above. The man of a million nicknames uh, from Ohio, who is neither a Bengals nor a Browns fan, because frankly, both of those teams have been most mostly forgettable for thirty years. Uh, is our producer Zach Cantrell? So Benton, let's just jump right into it. Uh, bad news today. Uh, in the press conference that Danny Cruz, when he spoke to reporters today, about some injuries. And it revolves around a very key player uh, for Louisville City, Amadou Dia. Um, Danny announced today that it's not likely that Amadou Dia is going to be able to play for the rest of the season for Louisville City. He didn't rule it out. He didn't say it's impossible. He said that they will allow him to work himself back. They're not going to push him back into the lineup. They're going to allow him to tell them when he's ready because he doesn't believe in pushing players, Danny Cruz said today. But the headline from that Amadou Dia probably out for the rest of the season. Another big injury. The injuries have been such a part of the season story for Louisville City. It's been to their detriment so very often. And this this a big blow late on in the years. They try and try and turn this thing around a little bit. Look, I'm not trying to say the season's over. I'm not trying to say the season's been terrible. But it's not been quite the Louisville City season we expected. It's not been the season that fans expected or wanted. And this is another blow. Yeah, it's it's certainly not good. You know, going back to Amadou, when, during the Birmingham game when he went down, it's only like 20-some-odd minutes in, I was immediately concerned. He's not normally a player that's on the ground. So I was a little worried. Like, uh-oh, he might miss a, miss a game or two. He's pretty important. To find out that he's out for the season, devastating. He's one of my favorite players. So I'm really, uh, really upset by that. And then now, you know, Coach Cruz has not had a lot of uh, flex ability with his roster and like what he could do tactically in taking Amadou out who's who's the more flexible of of all of his outside back options Amadou's almost been a center back at, yeah, at some he has been times. at times yeah. he's filled in there at times he's played left he's played right the center back he's he's the particularly flexible one now he's out of the equation yeah. probably you know likely for the rest of the season like that's that's some that's a big blow you know what happens if uh, Manny or Oscar goes down in a game all of a sudden you're really scrambling in, in those sort of roles so it's it's not the news that this team needed, especially in a stretch where it's kind of win everything or uh, or you're going to be playing the playoffs on the road. Yeah, the Not in- good. The injury comes right at a time when Danny Cruz probably thought, all right, I've bought myself some flexibility here. We've talked about it the last three weeks. Kyle Adams coming into the team, becoming a regular starter now, five consecutive games. He started along the back line with that back three center back formation, the back five when they defend with Dia on the left and either Oscar Jimenez or Manny Perez on the right um, when, when Dia is healthy and available. And that's something Danny told us when we talked to him a couple of weeks ago that this move was about flexibility. It was about giving him options of playing a back four or a back five. And now you lose one of those back five players. Suddenly you're robbed of that flexibility. And maybe to a point you make, maybe he doesn't want to run five guys out there right now at the risk that one of them gets hurt. I mean, 
right now, in terms of fullback position, it's Manny Perez, it's Oscar Jimenez. We know that Oscar Jimenez has battled injuries the last couple of years. He's not a for-sure week-in, week-out starter because you just don't trust it at this point in his career, at his age as well. Um, so maybe you don't risk putting all five guys out there. You know, in your mind, maybe you can side Kyle Adams over to a left back because he's left-footed. That gives you an option there. But maybe this forces the hand of Danny Cruz. Maybe they have to turn away from this back five. Yeah, and one thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, I don't think we give players enough um, credit for their, their flexibility, their, their knowledge of their game, and their ability to play other positions. Um, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's certainly there's going to be an adaptation for them and what they're accustomed to and that was one thing I was wondering have any of these center backs played as an outside back before like Kyle Adams for example um, and maybe that's something if they haven't done it before they're going to have to learn how to do um, you know one thing that concerns me it's, it's um, you know Oscar Hammond is he's, he's really good when you're kind of doing the back three formation he's a little more offensive oriented but he's got more defensive responsibility and I think that's why he was kind of more of a a role player through large parts of the season before we we kind of changed his shape and so now he's he, I mean he's going to have to pick up that uh, that defense of responsibility if he's still in the mix there so it's I mean again this is just not good news <laughs> and I can't I mean I can only imagine uh, Coach Cruz's reaction when when he found out that Amadou was going to be out it's just like it's just one thing after another all season long in terms of options there are a, a couple but I don't think any of them are, are ideal for Danny Cruz at this point Ramsey Kowazmi the rookie out of Providence he's only played a handful of times this year two games in league play um, has looked a little bit out of his depth when he's been out there on the field so look he's an option um, as a center back, and I believe he's left-footed as well. So that kind of the same equation as Kyle Adams. Actually, he's not left-footed if my memory serves now. Uh, I'll correct myself. Uh, we've seen Elijah Winder play as a center back, remember, early on in the season for about a half That's of a true. game. I forgot about that He one. looked okay in that spot, so maybe they look to that again, even though he's been playing really well in that attacking midfield spot, Elijah. So there are a couple of options. Then there are some academy kids off the bench. Uh, Travis Smith, Jabari Rashid um, listed as defenders. Neither of them have played in league games this year. They've played in those friendlies. Uh, so we'll see exactly uh, what they can offer if their number is called ultimately. But it's, it's, it's a thorny situation for Louisville City. And so given the way the momentum feels right now, right, two straight wins when they moved to the back five, followed by two consecutive ties in games where they gave up leads. And then last week they go down to Birmingham and lay an egg give up a goal in five minutes and never look like they're going to recover, never even recover, give up a second goal on a penalty kick about 20 minutes later, and Birmingham cruised to a victory on a hot day down in Alabama. Um, this is where I, I, this is why I want to ask this question to you. I'm going to pose it to you. feels like Louisville City fans have had their thumb on it for a while this year at various points. Some may have pushed it already. Have you pushed the panic button on the season, Benton Newman? It feels like it's starting to get to that kind of time where that's a legitimate conversation. I try to be very cautious in doing so. You know, I try to be very optimistic about things, but at this point, I think I mean, it's really fair. If the team is to go on and, and, and see success for the remainder of the season, whether that's uh, getting home playoffs, whether that's making a run in the playoffs, it's going to feel like a little bit, um, to use a phrase, kind of in-game, a little bit against the run of play, right? Like a little bit of a fluke. I mean, you can't count out some late season magic could make for a great story but right now I just don't think there's there's enough evidence there from this body of work that we've seen this season to to rationally think that this team is 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 going to do very well in the postseason I I, I'm I'm a little fearful at this point just based off everything that's happened that our uh, our record of making Eastern Conference Finals going to be in, in jeopardy and in some twisted way that's kind of the beauty of this club right we've had so much success that's where the bar is like we are expected to you're be saying Louisville city fans are spoiled. That's what you're saying. We are absolutely spoiled. <laughs> we are so very spoiled. And if you haven't acknowledged that, I mean, you just need to go back and look at the other clubs histories and see kind of more what's normal because we are not normal. I mean, that first season, like 2015, like that's, I think that probably skewed our perception on the racing side of things. Like, just the bar has always been so high. But, but Benton, this is the lifestyle that I've become accustomed to. It is. If that, I'm a Louisville City fan I out understand there listening. That. This is the lifestyle I've become accustomed to. You don't tell me I'm spoiled. I deserve it. That's what they're saying. Hey, we, I mean, I, I feel the same way, and it's a, it's a tough pill to swallow. I, I, I'm thinking back to watching, what was it, the, the Pittsburgh playoff game? We're down by two. It's mm-hmm. the 80th minute, and I'm just thinking myself I'm like man the, the run's over like we're not going to make the Eastern Conference final like I mean for all seasons for it to happen and just all this like crisis that was going through my head they obviously go on the it goes on to be one of the most thrilling like additional 10 minutes plus of of soccer that I've seen but like 
those feelings are floating back up. I still have confidence in this team. They still certainly can make things happen this year. They can they can certainly still secure home playoffs. They can make a run in it. Heck, we could earn our third star. But again, it just it just feels unlikely. Not impossible, but unlikely. I mean, as it stands, Louisville City is in fifth place. They are a full 13 points back of Pittsburgh now in the Eastern Conference. So you can pretty much forget about chasing the number one seed. Yeah, that's not happening. Uh, they are seven points back of Tampa Bay, so they could conceivably catch the Rowdies, right? Because they've got two games against Tampa Bay coming up in this final stretch of the schedule. The USL, we can, we can get into it a little bit. Purposefully, I think, backloaded those two games because of how good those two teams have been over the last several years. Rivals that meet in the playoffs every year have met in the Eastern Conference Final for, like, what, three years in a row now? Um, So, uh, ultimately... That first game against Tampa Bay becomes the season, I think. If oh, they can absolutely, 100%. if they can get three points out of that game, then that allows them to look ahead of that second Tampa Bay game and say, "Hey, we can take six off these guys and move up the standings a little bit." Because that's the only team, Tampa Bay. That's the only team that is above Louisville City in the Eastern Conference standings that they have yet to, or the, that they are going to face yeah. over this final stretch of the season, heading into the playoffs in October. And when we're doing our over under later, we can probably talk a little bit more about the remaining schedule and what kind of what winnable what's not but what you said exactly right like those Tampa Bay rowdy matches are must win and that is on top of all the other surrounding matches like you got to get a lot of points from that and this is the to be able to secure that home playoffs um, because if we're playing the playoffs on the road I mean that's just that's just a really tough thing to to go through you know it's it's just it's just going to make it that much harder to to see success in the postseason um, again still doable but um, but I mean the goal is if you can get some play at home it's going to give you an advantage and give you that upper leg, especially for a team that it needs needs all the luck that it can get. But I mean, in some ways, like you think back to different games this season, like being in fifth honestly feels a little like gracious. Yeah, you know, I know some of the performances the, the, that we put. the season, the emotions of the season feel much lower than that, don't yeah. they? I mean, I, I mean, and, and I know that we we've talked about it. That's because of the expectations around this team and around this organization, around this club, because of the success that they've had. They've never failed. They've literally never failed Louisville City to not just make the Eastern Conference Finals, which is a literal fact, but just in the eyes of the fans, they've never disappointed in any significant way. This, I mean, I think that's part of why this season feels so low because it's the first time we're coming in, expectations were high, and the results have not met those expectations. They've not missed by a ton. It's not like they're out of the playoffs. It's not like they're bringing up the rear in the Eastern Conference. They're doing fine. But Louisville City, we thought, would be more than fine this year because they brought back everybody from last year's team that was excellent. Yeah, and I think well, you know, I'm looking at the table here, and kind of one thing that I think that paints the picture is our minus two goal differential. We're used to like plus like 10, 12, even more so than that. And I think that's, that's a lot of it. Like even our wins like haven't been like super decisive. We haven't had really any just like absolute just bloodbaths that we've gotten in the past. And in the past, it's just. I mean, you know, and again, part of it is our expectations that we've had on yeah. it. But at the same time, I, I, again, I think I, a third-party observer who maybe doesn't have any idea of our history looking at looking at some of our matches, look at our table position, like they might be thinking, oh, they're a little fortunate to be there, you know? Let's switch gears just slightly. We talked about it a little bit, but I want to ask the question fully here. We talked about the formation, the back five, right? That's been one of the narratives over the last month, the switch to the back five, bringing in Kyle Adams, having the, the three center backs start for Louisville City. We thought against Indy 11 against Tulsa that it was the panacea for the Louisville City season. They came in and looked really good against each of those two teams, particularly Tulsa on the road, scoring three goals, winning three nothing, controlling that game despite not having possession. And you had a question today in Danny Cruz's press conference. And Zach, we got uh, the sound of of Danny Cruz talking about possession. Um, Your question was, what happened to that? Those first two games, Louisville City conceded possession. Their numbers were down in the 30s, but they controlled the game. They had the better chances. The The game was played on their terms, and they won comfortably both against both Indy 11 and FC Tulsa. In the three games since, two ties and a loss, the possession numbers have gone up, and it seems like the, the, there's been a little bit of a change in style. So here's what Danny Cruz had to say to your question today. 
I think game state certainly dictates that. So, and what I mean by that is, uh, once Birmingham scores uh, five minutes into the game, uh, it allows them to execute their game plan in even uh, in an even more controlled fashion, uh, and they're able to sit deeper, which we had already planned for. They're able to put uh, you know ten guys behind the ball and be difficult to break down. And when uh, when when they get the first goal, especially that early, it makes it more difficult for us. And the same could have been said if we get the first goal uh, early against Birmingham. And then that opens up, opens the game up. They can't sit back in their block, uh, and they have to go for it as well. So um, the possession was uh, against Birmingham was certainly dictated by the early goal, in my opinion. Um, but there's some things that we needed to do better, no question about it. I, I would say um, that that game state has dictated a lot of the possession um, metrics that he's seeing, uh, and and. I've talked about it a lot this year, but starting the right way becomes really, really important. All right, Benton, here's what I'm hearing. Tell me where I'm wrong here. Here's what I'm hearing. Danny Cruz says, we're a football team, an American football team that likes to run the ball. And we can't run the ball when we fall behind early, so we have to start well so we can run the ball, right? This is Lynn Bowden at Kentucky four or five years ago, whenever that was, when Kentucky had no passing offense and they had to run the ball. Everybody knew it. There was nothing else they were going to do. They were one-dimensional. Is Louisville City one-dimensional? Is that what Danny Cruz is saying? If they don't start out well, if they fall behind early, they have no answer because right now their best option is to play defensively, sit back, concede possession. But when the other team scores early, you can't do that. You can't play from behind when you're conceding possession. Tell me if I'm wrong. No, I mean, I think that's that's one way of saying it. I just it's, you know, goals change games and that Birmingham one in particular, like that's a pretty like stark example of that. You know, you get scored on like four minutes in and then like all of a sudden mentality, you know, the mentality kind of goes out the window. It's like 95 plus degrees out there. It's burning, hot, burning hot. Birmingham came ready to play. And it, I mean, it showed that um, one player in particular who's named eluding me, he just single handedly destroyed us. He kept that ball in for that um, for that cross and that first goal when the rest of our team gave up on the play and he earned that PK. Um, so that but the crux of my question was what I was really trying to understand. It wasn't. There was a second part to that, and and it was about the formation shape as well. And what I've noticed is the low possession games. You know, we're talking about Indy and um, and I'm forgetting the other match right now. Uh, Tulsa, Tulsa. You're, thank you're, you. Also thinking of uh, Nwegbo, perhaps number yes, seven that for is Birmingham. It. Yes, he yeah, was uh, he was a revelation for them. Yeah. He, uh, absolutely outstanding signing for them. But um, you know, that came with a three-five-two formation. So you have a he- heavy midfield, two up top. What we've more recently played has been a 3-4-3, and that's with, you know, you have Cameron Lancaster up top flanked by Elijah Widener and Dylan Maris. Can I, can I just keep, keep that thought? Don't lose that thought. I'm going to interrupt you for a minute because yep. I can hear Lance McGarvey in my head right now saying, I don't want to hear about formations. You know what? When we talk about football, we talk about shotgun formation. We talk about a 4-3 defense. We talk about a bear defense. We talk about nickelbacks. We talk about a cover two. So we can talk about formations in soccer, Lance McGarvey, just as one example of somebody that checks out when, when suddenly Bitten lobs out three numbers consecutively. People are like, what's that mean? It's, it's soccer. It's just the same as any other sport. Oh, Continue. Was, I'm going to get to the ultimate point. You don't have to care what the, what the shape is. I'm trying to defend Lance here. I like Lance. He's a good guy. <laughs> I <laughs> love Lance. We, not, we might not agree on that stuff. Go ahead. But, I'm sorry. but anyway, the ultimate point is, is that it doesn't sound like a big difference, but it but it is. It's making a big difference for how we play. When you have these two additional guys are playing more upwards, like when we had five in the midfield, you were able to drop back faster, play more uh, defensively. And then when you have the ball, you can kind of control and push forward. But when you have these two more guys that are, are pushing up a little bit more, it's taken that much farther to get back. And all of a sudden, your defense becomes a little more suspect. Your midfield is not as strong when you have five people already there. And and I th- and I think that's that's part of it. That's where so I was you think that, you think Danny Cruz has gotten away from what worked in those two games. Yeah, and, and, and I was more so trying to understand why. You know, it could be an element of we played those formations because we felt it matched up well with the opposition, yeah. and maybe we did not feel it that way. And I'm, and I'm not asking this from a place of questioning his judgment, more so I'm trying to learn and understand myself. And, um, you know, and, and part of that question also was, like, is this is part of this personnel dictated, right? Right. So when you do that, with the, the, the formation we had success with, the 3 5 two, 
we had Brian Ombi up top with like a Cameron Lancaster, or Wilson Harris. I think I think it's clear that Brian Ombi's a yeah. big difference maker. And no matter they could they could line up in any any old formation out there. They could they could play wherever they wanted. And Brian Ombi's going to be a difference maker maker because yeah, he's he, so energetic, so dynamic, has so much speed, and has that fight and grit and mentality. And this is where I want to take it a little bit because after that Birmingham loss, Danny Cruz came out and basically said our guys weren't tough enough tonight. And yeah. you, you touched on it. It was hot. They play on artificial turf down there. It was played in the mid-afternoon where the sun was beating down on them. I get it. I get it. I wouldn't want to be out there either. And you know what? None of the fans did either down in Birmingham because they had about a dozen people at that game. We- but the mentality is what disappointed Danny Cruz, and the mentality is what I think has disappointed Louisville City fans so often this season because it just feels like, as Brian Ombi aside, Brian Ombi aside, it feels like that fight, that grit, that willingness to battle just hasn't been there consistently for this team over the course of the season. I know we got to take a break here in a minute, yeah. but I want to talk more about mentality, and we can do that on the other side of the break. But the thought I want to finish up on is, is part of my question was like, is is it personnel availability a, a, you know, a factor in that selection? He was very quick to say, like, absolutely. So yeah. it leads me to believe that Brian Ombi brings something to that shape that other players do not, thus why he's having to play in this 3-4-3. Three, three. So it's not necessarily like he's he's being blind to the fact that we had a lot of success in this one shape more so he feels like his hand is being forced. And we talked about reading. we talked about the injury to Amadou Dia. Danny also talked That's about Brian, things. Danny also talked about Brian Ombi today and his injury situation. Um, a little bit more optimistic, right? Yep. Said that he was Potentially going to be involved this weekend against Oakland, which a game so we, we, we haven't even touched on yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading that as coming off the bench in some capacity. Probably not starting. And you just don't do that if you know a guy's not yeah. going to go full 90. All right, let's, let's take a break. we got lots more to talk about. we got Racing Louisville. They had 10,000 fans in their last game. An absolutely electric atmosphere for that game against Angel City. But they couldn't seal the deal. Finished 1-1. They had to come from behind to tie it. So it was a tie that felt a little bit like a win. But was it a missed opportunity for Racing Louisville? We'll talk about that. And we got over-under coming. Um, You're going to want to stick around for it. There's going to be some numbers that I think will illuminate some things for fans. Maybe you might say, oh, I didn't realize that. We'll uh, we'll talk about that coming up. Soccer City here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. listening to Soccer City right here on ESPN 680 and 1057. Now, here's Jeff Milby and Benton Newman. All right, Zach, I got a question for you. If there could be one gimmicky promotional night for a sporting event that would get you excited, what would it be? Character-based, like from a show that you are very familiar with, what would it be? Pick one. That would also appeal to children. Oh, I was going to say, the, the appeal to children part. That, uh, that ruined it? <laughs> I was, I was going to pick like Tony Soprano night or oh, something. Oh, there we that go. Be That'd great. be incredible. That would be good. Free gobble for everybody. Gobble oh, for everybody. Man. First 500 people in the door get Let's gobble go. Free promises, you don't get whacked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Come here and get whacked. That would be good. Uh, what, what about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle night? Does that, does that get you going? I could do Teenage you, Mutant. You could do some TMNT yes. night, right? Oh, yes. Well, we got one coming up for you on Saturday. Uh, Louisville City in action against the Oakland Roots, and it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Mutant Mayhem Night. That just sounds exciting. Mutant Mayhem. I mean, come on. Jeff, I'm absolutely fascinated because they are going to have kits, like Louisville City Teenage Mutant Ninja (laughs) Turtle kits. Yes. And... They're in very short supply, and I need to find my way to get a hold of ones because, like, how often are you going to get a Louisville City like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle kit? It just sounds so bizarre. I am absolutely in love. I cannot wait to see them. All for it. <laughs> I do very think, excited. I do think a Tony, a Tony Soprano night would, uh, would oh be my quite God. fun. That would be, uh, that'd that'd be, be a lot of fun. That'd be um, so good. Louisville City against Oakland Saturday night, 7.30 on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Night. LouCity.com slash tickets 502 Lou City. We've been talking about Lou City all show. It's an important game. They're all important games at this point. Like we were saying, I mean, if they want to turn this season around, they got to start winning. they got to start winning now. And Oakland, a very challenging team to do that against. Their third out west, 40 points. That puts them 10 back of Pittsburgh in terms of the overall league regular season title. Some familiar names on this team. Napo Metsoso, former Louisville City player. Tarek Murad, former Louisville City player. So a quality, quality game on our hands coming up on Saturday night and uh, you know bring out the kids they can they can look at Michelangelo and uh, 
Donatello and the rest of them. Can we bring nunchucks? Is that allowed? <laughs> you might get in trouble if you bring real nunchucks. I, fi- I figured the sword would be a no-go. And the, what's the little fork thing? What are those called? Oh, I don't know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know the, what you're talking uh, about. That the red turtle wears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, they're, they're like forks. You said that, but that's what they are. They're forks. I'll bring um, a staff. That seems that seems doable. There was no such promotion necessary last weekend at Lynn Family Stadium, aside from just fill the fam. That was the promotion, and they did it. We did it. We filled the fam on Saturday for Racing Louisville. 10,214 was the attendance, a new Racing Louisville record, the most people to ever see a Racing Louisville game at Lynn Family Stadium, and a crowd that was into it, Benton, a crowd that was engaged, a crowd that was energized despite the game for the first I don't know say the first half really didn't reward them for their belief in racing Louisville Uh, kind of a dull early start to the game racing Louisville fell behind they had to score a late goal felt like for a minute at the end of the game that they were going to be able to complete the comeback and win it they had momentum the energy was high in the building the excitement was there just couldn't quite get over the hump to make it a 2-1 to win it finished 1-1 against Angel City and I will say to you Benton it felt a little bit like a missed opportunity for Racing Louisville. It was not necessarily a bad performance. Um, I think the slow start was understandable because three World Cup players started that hadn't been with this team in six weeks. Um, and they looked like a team that hadn't seen each other in about six weeks for good stretches of that game. Ari Borges, Wong Chuang, and Savannah DeMello, I'm talking about, all started that game. Uh, Uchina Kanu came off the bench. All three, by the way, got huge ovations from the fans. The fans clearly were there to... Tell those players, let them know that we appreciate them, that we saw what they did on the world stage, that uh, we recognize their talent and their ability. That was great to see, but ultimately the performance was not the one that I think either of us expected. We thought this team would ride that wave of energy from the 10,000-plus fans and come out smoking hot, come out ready to, to knock the door down, and it just wasn't quite the, the game that we got. Yep. First off, shout out to everybody that was able to attend that match, help make that Absolutely. happen, the 10,000 plus. And you know what? Awesome atmosphere. You know what? Come back, because that team is going to be a team that is going to be a contender in the NWSL in the next couple of years. Maybe not this season. Maybe this season is just maybe a, a, a hint too early for this team to, to reach that Summit. Maybe. We'll see. They've got every opportunity still to make the playoffs, but maybe not quite yet. But the next couple of years, we got these players locked down on contract extensions, which we'll get to. This team has a bright young core that is super talented. So come back. Man, you read my mind. I was going to say, A, make sure you come back. There's still more season left to support these ladies. And B, yeah, that was, I, I said last week that I thought this match was going to set the tone for the rest of the season. That's why I was very optimistic that they were going to come out the gates hot, ready to go, like they haven't missed the beat. That was maybe a little too optimistic of me because that certainly wasn't the case. There's some sluggishness. Again, it's very understandable. But, but you know, getting a draw, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. But at the same time, it, it didn't propel us forward like I was hoping it for, would for the re- um, last part of the campaign. And so it's very much a question mark if they're going to be able to make the playoffs or not. A very doable situation. But as each game becomes more and more important and you can't continue to afford to, to drop points. And when, and when you're at home, those kind of turn, those are absolutely turning into kind of must-win situations. But I think the optimi- optimistic thing about that match is they definitely grew into it. And, and by the second half, or at least the, uh, the second part of the second half, they seem to be back to the, the, their old selves. They're looking really good. Um, credit to Angel City. I think that they... Um, they were more consistent in their play. They they looked, I guess, a little less, uh, you know, jet lagged, um, and, and, and looked good. Put more of a fight than I was expecting. Um, but so I'm still I'm still bullish on this team. But uh, it's it's going to be a kind of a wait and see situation on the playoffs. I really would have liked to have seen three points. But another reason to be optimistic about this team, based on what you saw in that fill the fam game is Matty Picorni, a newcomer to the team, uh, was a national team replacement player, came on during the World Cup break, um, didn't have any really expectations uh, out of her from what we we saw and and what we've heard um, from the team. But she came in and has looked the part of a player that belongs on that field. Dynamic, quick with her feet, uh, an ability to drive at people with the ball, put in a great ball into the box for the goal that Kirsten Davis scored uh, last weekend to tie the game at one. A player that has experience 
experience in Europe. She's just 26 out of St. Louis, played at St. Louis University in college, played in Denmark for the last couple of years where she was a league champion three different times. So a player with winning on her resume, an experienced player at this stage in her career, and maybe a player that might be a little bit of a diamond in the rough for Racing Louisville to have found her, signed her. She's played for the last few games, got playing time on Saturday, and made a difference. I'm not saying she's going to come in and be a superstar for this team, but seems like a quality pickup and looked like it over the weekend at Lynn Family Stadium. Real quick off topic, a texter has informed me those little fork things are called size. 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 Size? Now we know. Yes. S-A-I. Ah, size. I was pluralizing it. I see. Anyway, don't want to detract from the women. Had to inform the people. We were all curious Something about the name of that weapon. Something going to take your nunchucks and your sigh on yeah, Saturday. I think I lost my press pass yeah. for this one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but Corey, she was, man, she was a breath of fresh air. I'll be brutally honest that I was really disappointed when I saw that uh, Riley Parker was waived. She seemed like yeah. she had fan favorite potential. She seemed like a lot of fun, really inspiring player. She did well in Mexico. Um, but, you know, it's... It's a you know it's a crowded roster, tough to break into these things. So you know maybe she wasn't up to snuff. You know maybe they just had preferential other options. So wish her the best, hope to see her succeed. But uh, I got over it a little quicker when I saw how well that that Maddie was doing on the pitch. She she really surprised me. She did an outstanding job, and I think it, it goes to show how well the the staff did on kind of finding some of these uh, recruitment players. I think best case scenarios when you bring in these these backfills while you're missing players for stuff like the World Cup, for example, is that you find somebody of enough quality that yep. you want to keep them around. That that seemed to be the case here. She got a contract at least for the remainder of the season, and I mean she put out a performance that told the coach you need to sign me for longer. And this is the best example of, of an age-old sports cliche. An age-old sports cliche. Next man up. Take your opportunity when it presents itself. Right? All those. What, say whatever phrase you want to say. Maddie Picorni has done it. She came into the team. Wasn't sought after. Uh, joined the team, as, as, as we've said, as a national team replacement. Got her opportunity to train with this team and impress and play on the field and impress. And she's done both. So, so kudos to her. Um, again, not going to necessarily be a, a, a regular starter even for this team, but just another name off the bench, another option where, where Kim Bjorkegren can go when his team needs a little bit of spark because that's what she's been. Yeah, she, She's been she a spark solid. plug off the bench. Um, again, dynamic, able to dribble, kind of like a, a, a Savannah DeMello light almost. I would say very light uh, diet Savannah DeMello, but kind of a similar vein there of a player that can take you on the dribble and make things happen. Um, so, so great to see from her racing Louisville. They've got uh, a game this weekend as well uh, coming up. Um, they head to New York, New Jersey, Gotham on the road this weekend. Um, and the same thing applies to them that we've said about Louisville City. If they're going to make what they wanted to, to happen, happen. If they're going to make the playoffs, which was the goal. Remember way back in the beginning of the season, we had Bev Yanez, the new assistant coach, on. We asked her point blank, is this team a playoff team? And she said 100% absolutely yes. So if they're going to be a playoff team, rubber has hit the road now. Six games to go after the tie um, over the weekend. And some results outside of racing Louisville have put them even further behind the eight ball because we had teams around them win in the standings. And as it stands right now, they are... Uh, several places back, uh, four points back of the playoff cut line with San Diego, and they dropped a place in the standings down to eighth place with Orlando leapfrogging them. So same thing for both. Both teams have suddenly become similar. The narrative's been different all year, right? We've talked about it where racing Louisville seemed like a team that was starting to figure it out. They they were working their way towards being good. Louisville City kind of straying the opposite direction. Well, now they're lined up perfectly. All you got to do is win. That's where we are in the season for both teams. Winning is the only thing that matters. You can't draw uh, moral victories out of ties anymore. You can't draw positive positives out of losses anymore. You can't say, well, that was good despite the loss. They got to win or else... That's it. The, the tone is shaped by the history. Louisville City has had a history of success, so to see them in the position they're in, it's a tough pill to swallow. Meanwhile, racing has, has struggled for much of their history, and now we, we definitely have glimmers of hope and we see that they're we see them doing well and so i think there's there's a growing expectation on their side so it's a little bit more positive on their side but i mean quality wise you have to think that this is a still a playoff caliber team like look at what these players did in the world cup Mm -hmm. like look at what we've seen here in louisville like it's a good squad we have good talented players and i and i think it you know it begs the question if they miss the playoffs the coaching staff i mean there might be questions asked about them right I mean, because we there's so much talent here. Are we underachieving? You know, this this uh, 
Marvin Lewis problem up in Cincinnati. I've referenced this <laughs> the before. Marvin you Lewis know? Problem. Oh man! You know, like, like, is it like a good enough not to get fired sort of thing? You don't want to be a, a, be in that sort of situation. So if you miss the playoffs, like, what's the level of toleration for it? Knowing what you know about this team, yeah, a lot of quality there. So I don't know. I, th- I think it's a, a fair question to ask, and I can already probably hear some listen uh, listeners probably asking a similar thing on the Little City side. But on to me personally, I think it's a little different. I think uh, because Danny Cruz has shown that he can win. Exactly, yeah. he did it last Coach year. Coach Cruz yeah. has, has has succeeded before. Like when he took over, he basically blew up this roster, which, by the way, would have been very easy for him to keep together and just keep riding on that riding on that train. Yeah, blew it up, brought in his guys, built the team in his vision, and had tremendous success. I think last year's team was our best team that we ever had. Go back and look at the stats; they were phenomenal. Just couldn't finish the deal. Yeah, this uh, yeah. In, in the championship. Yeah, I mean, ran, game, ran yeah. out of steam. We were second best steam. against it, a phenomenal San Antonio. Nothing really to be too ashamed of for that. Yeah. A little disappointing, but can't be ashamed. But this, I mean, a lot of a lot of bad things have happened this season. I think he's earned some grace and credit to be able to continue on twenty twenty four, regardless of how this season finishes out. Because of that past success, we know what he can do. Give him an opportunity to fix it. Meanwhile, on the other side of things, we haven't. You don't have that resume on the racing Louisville side. This staff doesn't have this history of success to lean back on. You know, and if you if you're looking, if you feel like you're underachieving with all the pieces that you have, I don't think it's unfair to to ask those questions because, again, partially because, I mean, you just don't have the background of success there. You know, there's there's less uh, less reason to believe that they are going to elevate it the next season. Let's go ahead and go to break because these conversations we're having about both teams, we can continue to have them yeah. uh, in the over under. So that's coming up next. Soccer City here on ESPN six eighty and one hundred five seven. You're locked on Soccer City right here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, here's Jeff Milby and Benton Newman. The UPS Jobs text line is open. We get so few texts on the show that I failed to pimp it, but somebody texted us anyway. And they said the racing standard is making the playoffs. That's pretty much what we were saying. So we agree with you, Texter. And thanks for the text. 437-9680. I like where their head's at. Is the text line. Exactly. Um, let's get into the over-under because a lot of these conversations, a lot of these over-unders are going to tie back into things we've talked about. And I, th- I think uh, we could get some good engagement on it. So if you have thoughts on the over-unders, 437-9680 or at Soccer City Radio on X, as it's called now. No longer Twitter. It's X. We'll start with Louisville City. And this is really bringing it to a head, the conversation we've had all show about Lou City. Nine games to go, over under, four and a half wins for Louisville City over the remainder of the season. Here's some context. Nine games to go. Four of those nine are at home, including Saturday's game against the Oakland Roots. They only have one home game, though, the entire month of September. They play six times in September. Five of the six games are away from home, including long western road trips to Colorado Springs and New Mexico. We mentioned they play twice against Tampa Bay over these final nine games. The good news, though... Four games against teams outside of the playoffs currently right now. New Mexico, Miami, Loudoun, and Hartford. And so that let's, let's put it to it. Four and a half wins for Louisville City. Over under, Ben. I'm taking the over, and here's why. Optimism. Optimism now, from I think, I think I got some sound logic to this one. This team has been road warriors, and of some of those weaker oppositions, some of those, I'm going to use air quote, winnable games, they're on the road. Miami on the road. Loudon on the road. New Mexico on the road. I know Miami's coming off a short rest, but still. You got Hartford at home. You got that crowd in front of you. I think that's good. Colorado Springs, I think they could do that on the road. So right there, I think you've already got at least the five, not to mention what they could pull up in some of these these other matches, particularly these Tampa Bay matches. Not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination, but they are going to be viewed as absolute must-wins, not only from a, kind of like a, 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 a blossoming rivalry standpoint, but from the sake of like those two matches will basically determine if they're getting home playoffs or not. They basically have to win those two games and then still get results from some of these other handfuls of ones. So I'm going to be bullish on this team. The roots went. I don't know how that's going to pan out this weekend. Uh, you know, the two Tampa Bay eyes when it's hard to say, but yeah, I, it's hard to see them. It's hard to see them winning all three of those games. I think it's safe to say it's, they it's may hard. win a couple. They may win one, yeah. may win two. It's hard to see them winning all three. I mean, the loyal come here. That, that's a hard one, but again, you just never know. They could pull off some of them, but I'm feeling pretty optimistic, particularly because you got Miami, Loud, New Mexico, Hartford. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm yeah. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over. Uh, I'm going to go under. I say they win the four that they're supposed to win. They don't win any of the other ones. Ooh, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be pessimistic. And it is an important number, by the way. The four and a half wins. They're sitting on ten right now. Louisville City. They are four wins away from matching their lowest ever total. That came in the inaugural season of 2015. Outside of 2020, I'm not including 2020 because they only played a handful That's of a games that season. year. That's a freak season. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's a statistical outlier for a number of reasons. But they won 14 games in 2015. They've never failed to win more than that, or uh, fewer than that. What am I saying? They've they've always won 14 or more is what I'm trying to say. Um, I think they'll match 14. I think I think four is the number. Um, I'm not quite as optimistic as you seem to be right now, Benton. Total goals for Savannah DeMello. She's got eight across all competitions. She did not score on Saturday in her return to racing Louisville after starting twice for Team USA, the United States, in the World Cup. There are seven games to go across all competitions. That includes the... Challenge Cup semifinal, potentially an eighth if they make it to the Challenge Cup final. Over or under 13 and a half total goals this year for Savannah DeMello. So to go over, she would need to score six more times over this final stretch of games. Uh, I'm taking the under because I think that's a big ask that for her to score with that level of regularity. Nothing against her. That's just a hard feat to do. And also because I think the goals will come. I just believe that they will come from elsewhere. I think we're going to see a spread of goals. I feel like well, hopefully we'll start to see this team gel and start some of these players really pop off. You know, you got Nadia Nadim back. Tembi Catlana is awesome. Yuchenna Canoe hopefully get some um, some good action as well. Um, Ari Borges. Like, there's just a lot of potential for the, for the goals to come from other places too. So, under. I'm going to go over. I'm, I, we didn't plan this. We didn't plan our... I like it, though. I like I, it. I like that we're, uh, we're disagreeing on these things. I'm going to go over. I feel optimistic. Here's one of the reasons why. They've got a game against Chicago coming up, and Chicago might be one of the worst soccer teams that we've seen come to Lynn Family Stadium, bar none, period. They are not good this year, the Chicago Red Stars. They have shipped 38 goals over the course of just the regular season. It doesn't include Challenge Cup, where racing wiped the floor with them a couple of times. I bet Savannah DeMello has two goals at least against Chicago. If she gets two goals against Chicago, I bet she goes over. So that's why I'm taking over, because I am confident, I feel good, that she's going to get at least one Maybe two against the Chicago Red Stars. Now I want to see her put six by them. <laughs> that would <laughs> Just be something absolutely yes. ridiculous. We'll, we'll have to. Uh, <laughs> let's see. When do they play Chicago? We might have betting by then. We could make a bet, and we could make a bet on it. Oh, is that um, part of my first prop bet? There you go. That's it. <laughs> you should be first in line to make a bet on racing Louisville and Louisville City in a prop. That there would, we go. That, that, that would be great. Uh, come September, September seventh. Um, next one up, Oliver Zimla. He is the rookie record leader. Not Lee. I can't talk today. He holds the rookie record in the USL for shutouts. Holds the rookie record with 11. He got his 11th against Tulsa in the second victory of the two victories from a couple of weeks ago for Louisville City. So over, under, I think, I had, let me let me rephrase if you're looking at the sheet, Benton. 14 and a half. Let's go over, under 14 and a half. I don't like putting even numbers out there because then you can push. I had 15. Let's go over, under 14 and a half shutouts total on the season for Oliver Zimla. That would need to be four more to go over. I think you could do it against Colorado. I think you can do it against Hartford. Um, maybe a Miami or a Loudoun, New Mexico. I'm going to go under. I, 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 I don't think that there's enough there, especially if we're if we're playing the more vulnerable like three four three sort of setup, or if we go back to the, like the four three three. We've been exploited at times with that. Um, he's a fantastic keeper, but like the wheels are coming off a little bit. You know, lose Amadou Dia. That's that's a big piece. That's a that's a big problem. Yeah, because again, as we talked about in the first segment. What does that do to Danny Cruz's plans for the defensive back line for Louisville City? Because Oliver Zimla has been great. Take nothing away from Oliver Zimla. Been a phenomenal addition to the team. Has fit in seamlessly out of, out of Marshall as a rookie uh, where he was an NCAA champion. He has made some good saves over the course of the season. Has been very, very solid. But what I would say, he's not a guy that's made a bunch of spectacular leaping around, flying around saves. I think he's played well in large part because the back line has been so solid and so consistent for Louisville City. Think about Sean Tosh and Wes Sharpie being consistent guys back there. Kyle Adams has been strong since he joined the team. They go to the back five. Manny Perez, Oscar Jimenez, Amadou Dia, who is now injured, unfortunately, have all been very solid defensively. I think Oliver Zimla has been made to look a little bit better than maybe his performances have been. You may just, you're allowed to disagree with that. I don't think that's, I mean, 
I, I, I've still taken Neander. I don't think that's completely fair. I mean, I think he's, he's a really outstanding talent. You're right. He hasn't been required to do as much as some other keepers in the league. But, I mean, that, that's, that's a good thing, right? Everybody's kind of carrying their, their it's weight in there. Thing. But, uh, I, you know, I, I, think, I think he's as, as good as his resume looks. But what I'm saying is now with the injury to Amadou Dia, and if there are changes in store for the back line, maybe he's asked to do a little bit more. Yeah. Over these no, next, yeah, no, over these next he's, few weeks, he's, he's absolutely going to be asked to do more. So we'll we'll see what he's really made of. If he's got those spectacular, you it's, know, elastic arm stretches, uh, saves in him, we'll see those coming up in the in these next few weeks. I'm going to go under as well. Yeah, uh, keeping I, a clean sheet's like a hard thing to do. Absolutely. So it's not a knock on him. It just it just doesn't. It feels like the stack the deck is stacked a little bit against him to hit that threshold. All right, let's let's keep it with goalkeepers and go back to racing Louisville. Katie Lund, arguably. The best goalkeeper in the league, I would say. I think certainly would be in line to get some U.S. women's national team action in this new cycle under whoever the new head coach is right now that Vlatko is out the door. So here's the over-under for Katie Lund. Over or under a half in WSL Goalkeeper of the Year award. So she's going to win it or she's not? I think she wins it. I think she got it on the radar last year doing as well as she did. Um, and this year, I you know, I, I think I think it's her, her time to shine. She's a phenomenal keeper. She deserves more credit than she gets. Honestly, her weakest part of her game is her distribution, and that's not really going to be factored in goalkeeper of the year. But here's why I'll disagree with you. I don't disagree with uh, what you say about Katie Lund being fantastic, because she is. Will she get the love and the respect from the league on the award choice? She arguably deserved it last year, right? She set the, the league record yep. for saves last year with over 100. Um, her save percentage last year was really strong. Um, she was phenomenal in a number of statistical categories. This season, she's leading the league in saves. She's leading the league in save percentage. Get this. When I saw this number today, I was, I was surprised. 81% of the shots that she has faced, she has saved. That is a phenomenal number. That is a top-level, elite kind of number. You don't see guys, you don't see players across any level of soccer saving 81% of the shots that they face. They're normally between like 60 and a good number is like 78%. She's above that good number. She is leading the league in that number. She's tied for second in shutouts. But again, I'll point out last year, she had great numbers just like she does this year. And they gave it to who else? San Diego, the darling expansion team that everybody wanted to succeed, that the league wanted to succeed. They gave it to Kaylin Sheridan. I'm not so sure. I'm going to be pessimistic. I think the league doesn't like racing Louisville. The league doesn't want racing Louisville to succeed. They're not going to give it to Katie Lund, even though, even though she clearly, if it were the end of the season right now, clearly deserves to be the National Women's Soccer League Goalkeeper of the Year. I actually agree with you on their on their biases. I don't think that we get a lot of love in, um, in these, some of these other markets. The the sunnier, more more beautiful parts of the country, if you will, uh, get get a little bit more attention or too much attention. But I think her, her resume speaks for itself, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be optimistic and still maintain she wins it. She should. She, oh, right. she absolutely at least needs to be like very deep in that conversation. Absolutely. If 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 she's Fourth not taken in the conversation, otherwise right. it's a joke of a league. Uh, <laughs> if she's not uh, one of the first two names mentioned in the conversation, the conversation needs to just they need to drop having that conversation. Back to Louisville City. Nine and a half goals over under nine and a half goals for the leading scorer this season for Louisville City. We've talked a lot about the offensive woes for the boys in purple. 26 goals all season long in USL regular season play. That is the third fewest in the league. And right now, their two leading goal scorers are tied with five goals apiece. Louisville City has never, including the 2020 COVID season, has never failed to have a double-figure goal scorer. Right now, it's looking like maybe they won't, unless Cameron Lancaster or Wilson Harris can catch some fire over this final stretch. So the question, over or under nine and a half goals for Louisville City's leading scorer at the end of the season? Under for two reasons. Mm. One, the landscape of the USL has changed this season compared to the last season. We used to have teams you could really beat up on with those MLS2 teams, and that kind of helps pad some of your scoring numbers. So I think that's absolutely one factor of it, a little more, a little more parity than we've had in the past. And the other thing is this team just has not been consistent enough. These strikers have not been consistent or healthy enough. Um, you know, I, I, I think there's a, uh, the, the goal is going to be spread in a way in which uh, we don't have one of those two hit 10. I'm going to go under as well. I think this team, in terms of just flat-out scoring, 
They are who they are at this point. They are who they are at yeah. this point. It feels like things have settled. It feels like whatever upward swing of momentum we thought we had a couple of weeks ago has dissipated. I just don't see either of those two guys, Wilson Harris or Cameron Lancaster, popping off for a bunch of goals in the last couple of weeks and getting up over 10. And by the way, in terms of total goals, Louisville City right now isn't even past the COVID season in terms of total goals. The COVID year, they scored 28 times. This year, they're at 26. So they've got to score twice more, which is probably going to happen. But they've got to score twice more this season if they want to just match the COVID year for goals scored. That's how dry the offense has been this season for Louisville City. On that same note, real quick on this one, over or under a half a goal for Martin Powells. Hasn't scored yet this year for Louisville City. The six foot seven. Dutchman coming in. We all got excited. We saw the height. We thought, oh, this guy is a shoe in to head in a goal. Hasn't been that kind of year for Martin. Over or under a half goal. Does he score this season? Under. He's not going to get enough game time for that to happen. It takes a while to get acclimated to a new team, a new country. So I, I give him a little bit of grace on that front. He was asked to do it. You know, he, he comes in midseason, so all of a sudden the expectations are very high for a, for a new player like that. But uh, given, this, given this position that we're in, um, you know, provided that, that Cam and, and Wilson um, stay healthy. I don't. I don't see him coming on. So, all right. Let's let's go quick. I'm going to go under as well for Martin Powell. We got two more to go before we finish the show. Jalen Howell for Racing Louisville. She leads the league, the NWSL, in tackles and tackles one this year. She has been the best defensive midfielder by that metric, anyway, and by I think the eye test in the NWSL. She's taken a step forward in year two. I'm going to say over or under eighty and a half tackles. Last year, the leader in the league had eighty three. So the leader in the league last year at 83, over or under 80 and a half tackles for Jalen Howell at the end of the season. I think she can do it. She's a wrecking ball. Yeah. <laughs> she's, a mad, she's a mad woman out there. I'm all for it. Over. I go over as well. Final one uh, before we wrap up, and this is a fun one. Over or under? Two and a half complaints from Casey Stoney about her own team's field quality in the final game of the season. If you remember, Casey Stoney, head coach of the San Diego Wave, came to Lynn Family Stadium some months ago. Alex Morgan was held out of the game. A lot of people came out to see Alex Morgan, understandably. She was held out of the game, Casey Stoney said, because Lynn Family Stadium has a notoriously poor surface. I bring this up because Racing Louisville plays San Diego on the last game of the season. Could be a huge one. Two teams battling for that last playoff spot. And the field is going to be potentially terrible out of Snapdragon Stadium because they play four San Diego State football games in the month and a half before that one. Two wave games. There's a back-to-back night of Coldplay concerts, a Guns N' Roses concert, and something called Pink's Summer Festival. It's a concert for Pink. Over under two and a half complaints for Casey Stoney about her own field, which is going to be miserable. Easy under because she's going to be biased, you know. Don't you have to bash our field because Alex Morgan wanted to go see a Taylor Swift concert. Just That's say right. that. She, That's she, absolutely she, she's right. She's a star. She gets to do whatever she wants, so you let her go see Taylor Swift. Just say that, Casey. That's all I got on that. <laughs> Louisville City in action this weekend. Saturday night, 7.30 at Lynn Family Stadium. 502 Lou City is the phone number. LouCity.com slash tickets. A very important one for the boys in purple. Racing Louisville. They're not home again until September 2nd against the Portland Thorns. Sophia Smith and company. One of the more talented teams in the league and one of the more talented players in the league in Sophia Smith. RacingLouFC.com slash tickets. 502 Lou City is the phone number. That is a 7.30 kickoff for that one on Saturday, September 2nd. It is must-win time for Racing Louisville and Louisville. City, Soccer City, every Thursday at 6 o'clock. Vamos Marauders. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Looking for a rewarding career? One that empowers you to serve your community, change lives, and reach your fullest potential? Become a correctional officer for the Kentucky Department of Corrections and earn up to $28.30 an hour with great benefits. Help create a better, safer Kentucky. Apply today for a correctional officer position in your community at careers.ky.gov. That's careers.ky.gov. You can give it to your girl, share it with a squirrel, buy by the case, pour it in your face. L.A., the soft drink of tomorrow. L.A., a new kind of taste. L.A., the soft drink of tomorrow. L.A., it's from another place. Crisp, clean, 
LA.